Good morning. Our reading today is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, and starting at verse 17, reading to 22, and then reading from 32 through to 44. Jesus comforts the sisters of Lazarus. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And reading from verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where had you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he'd said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Amen. Over these last few weeks, we've been working through the Gospel of John. And John describes circumstances and situations that point to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and the one through whom we have eternal life and hope for the future. And near the end, in, in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John has set out to write enough for us to be able to read the stories and to work it out for ourselves that Jesus is the one who gives life in all its fullness. At the start of the chapter, Jesus and his disciples have left the area around Jerusalem because the folks there had decided they wanted to kill him. We're then told that his friend Lazarus has become ill and they send word to Jesus 
But John records something really odd at that point. Verses 5 to 7 of the reading of John 11. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. I don't know about you, but in this world where, you know, somebody sends me an email, I'm not bad at going, I'll get to that later. But I know there are people who are instantly there going, oh, straight back. You got a wee text message, straight back. And it's all instant. Why did Jesus do nothing? I mean, if, if somebody that you knew phoned and said, I'm really ill, I mean, surely, would you not think, what can I do? How should I respond to this? I, I might not be able to actually go, but, but, but I, can, I, can, I could send you something. I, I really, I don't think that God plays games with people. But I do know that his ways are not our ways. And his timing is not our timing. Jesus got the message, but he didn't make any preparations to go. He didn't send a message back to say, okay, I'm coming. He just stayed where he was. And he left Mary and Martha in Bethany to watch their brother die. What on earth is that about? And, and you heard in the reading that the people said, could the one who, who has already healed people, could he not have come and stopped them dying? It doesn't actually say, but I think from reading the rest of the story that what Jesus is doing is praying. I think he's trying to understand what his father wants him to do. There are people, as I've said, around the area who, who are, are looking to kill him. It's not really safe for him to go back. And this story isn't just about Lazarus. It's also about Jesus. The chapter begins with the, the disciples warning Jesus not to go back. But it ends with the high priest, the most important religious person in the country, declaring that one man has to die for everybody. Later, in the story, when Jesus thanks his father that he's heard his prayer, I think he's referring to prayers during these days of waiting and journeying. Of course, he would be praying for Lazarus, but I think he was also praying for wisdom and guidance as to what his plans and movements should be. What Jesus was going to do for Lazarus became one of the main reasons the authorities wanted him dead. It became the most powerful sign yet of who he really is. It's a story, uh, as Caitlin said, about the ways in which Jesus surprises people and overturns their expectations. He didn't go uh, when the sisters expected him to go. But he did go when the disciples thought he shouldn't. He spoke about sleep, meaning death. And the disciples thought he was just talking about sleep. In the middle of it, he tells them an odd story that people who walk in the daytime don't trip up. It's people who walk in the darkness that trip up. And he seems to have meant that the only way to know where you're going was to follow him. The light of the world. 
If you try to go your own way and use your own understanding, you'll trip up because actually you're in the dark. But if you stick close to him and see things from his point of view, then even sometimes if it means days or years of puzzlement, wondering why nothing seems to be happening, you come out in the right place at the end. I don't know if you've ever had an if-only moment. I used to have them at exam time. You know, If only I had studied more, I would know the answer to this question. If only I hadn't said that. If only I hadn't done that. If only we hadn't decided to go on holiday at that particular time. If only, if only. When Jesus finally gets to Bethany, Martha comes to meet him. And in John eleven twenty one, we hear her say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If only you had been here. Lazarus would still be alive. But by this time, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Instead of looking at the past, though, and thinking about what might have been, Jesus invites her to look at the future. And in in verse 23, he says to her, your brother will rise again. The resurrection of the dead was something that was understood would happen at the end of the new heaven and the new earth. They expected a world like ours, only with its beauty and power enhanced and its pain ugliness and grief done away with. They believed that all God's people through time would be given new bodies with which to enjoy life in that new creation. So she answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. It's a response that kind of suggests, she kind of knows that, but it's not particularly comforting you know, I, at some point in the distant future, whenever that is, it'll all kind of work out. And it's fine to say that, and it's fine to believe that, but in the here and now, maybe not quite enough. But what she's not prepared for is Jesus' response. Because for her, the future bursts into the present. The new creation has come forward from the end of time in her time. Because Jesus hasn't just come from heaven to earth. He has also come from God's future into our present. Into the mess and the muddle of the world that we know. Verses 25 and 26, he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Here's a question. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe it? Resurrection isn't just a doctrine, something that we believe. It isn't just a future promise. It's a person. And at that moment, he's standing right in front of Martha, encouraging her to make the huge leap of faith, to trust and to hope. He's encouraging her to exchange her, if only, for an if Jesus. Changing if only to if Jesus. You see, if Jesus is who she is coming to believe he is, what then? If Jesus really is the Messiah, 
What then? If Jesus really is the Son of God, if Jesus really is the resurrection and the life, what then? John's a great storyteller because he stops the story at this point and he sends her away to find her sister. Like in the film, you'd have we cut out to someone, you know, but he leaves us hanging with that question. Jesus has said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Because he's given us time to answer that same question. One of the sisters is the active, busy one who's got to be out the front asking the questions. The other one's quieter and more reflective. One has to hurry off and meet Jesus. She has to confront him directly. Many of us are like that. We can't wait to tell Jesus what we think of him and question why he hasn't done things the way that we think he should have done them. If you're like that, and if you have an if only in your heart or in your mind right now, then put yourself in Martha's shoes. Metaphorically, run off to meet Jesus and tell him what the problem is. But be prepared for a surprising answer. I believe that Jesus will meet your problem. But I think he might meet it with some new part of God's future that can and will burst into your present time, into the issue or the circumstance that you face with good news, with hope, and with new possibilities. Because his offer is life in all its fullness, and through Holy Spirit, God can do anything. The key is faith. And we'll see in a moment that not everyone who was there on that day responded in faith. And so they missed out on what Jesus has to offer. We read the shortest verse in the Bible this morning. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Jesus bursts into tears at the moment when he sees Mary and all the people with her in tears. He doesn't sweep into the situation as if we would expect that and then declare that tears are pointless because actually he knows what's going to happen. He doesn't burst in and say, I don't know what you're crying for because he's only sleeping. He weeps, although he knows the outcome. He weeps for the pain of his friends. He weeps for their sense of loss. He weeps because he sees the consequences of sin played out in the world. And he possibly also weeps for himself, knowing what was to come. And then he stands in front of the crowd that's there, putting his reputation on the line, and he asks them to move the stone away. And they're, they're shocked by that. And, and, and they say, you shouldn't do that because it's been four days. The stink will be awful. And yet... At his command, they move the stone. And as they move it, John records Jesus saying this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. He doesn't pray that he'll have the power to raise Lazarus. Rather, he thanks his father that his prayers have been heard. 
But John hasn't mentioned prayer up until this point. I suspect these are the prayers of the waiting and the journeying made before they arrived in Bethany. Jesus has been praying for his friend, praying that his body will not decay, and praying that he will be ready to come back to life. And Jesus commands Lazarus to come out of the tomb, and he does, still wrapped in the burial clothes. There's no word of the smell of death. Because he's alive again. There are so many pointers in this story to the subsequent death and resurrection of Jesus But there's also so many differences. Jesus died and was buried in a tomb, just as Lazarus was. But it wasn't people. It was angels who rolled the stone away for Jesus. And he didn't come out wearing his grave clothes. At first, he was so changed that even his friends didn't recognize him. Lazarus couldn't bring himself back to life. He needed Jesus to do that for him. But Jesus didn't need anybody to act on his behalf. Lazarus came back into ordinary human life. He could become ill again and he would die again. But Jesus came back into glorious life. And he took his rightful place in glory. His timing is not our timing and his ways are not our ways. And in the middle of our difficulties, even if he appears silent, And maybe he has seemed that way for a long time for you. You need to know that you are not abandoned. You are not alone. That's the everlasting promise of God to his people. I believe that Jesus still breaks into the present from the future as he builds his kingdom. He has the power to transform any situation, no matter how dark it may seem. His promise to us is life in all its fullness. And the key is the same today as it was for Mary and Martha. The key is faith. When Jesus asked the question, do you believe it? If your answer is yes, then your status changes. And you become a child of God. And his promise is life for you and through you. Amen.